Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Raising the Standard, Leadership Mindset and Development for the Kingdom Driven Man. If that's you, you're in the right place. I am your host, Josh Kay. And today's episode, I'm joined by Sean Hadsell. Sean is also known as the Ripped Grandpa. This guy is in incredible shape. He's the owner of Beyond 40 Nutritional Supplements. And in today's episode, we're gonna talk about Sean's individual journey. He has overcome adversity. He launched a fitness business. Guys, you got to hear this backstory. It's incredible. And then he launched an online fitness empire, which is incredibly successful. There's so many things you're going to learn in this discussion about how Sean levels up his mindset, how he changed his thinking, how he changed his body, and he changed the trajectory of his life. We talk about everything in this interview from his backstory to mindset strategies to his priorities in life. And also we go into the work that he does on a daily basis, talking about relevant fitness information and diet information that you're not going to want to miss. So stay with it all the way through the end and let's get into it. Sean, welcome to the show, man. I've been so excited. I've been looking forward to uh, to this interview and this discussion. Yeah, well, you know, I have mad respect from you after reading your book. Uh, so I think we're both on the same page here. I'm excited as well. Wow, man. I'm blown away by that. I, I, I was telling you earlier that I was listening to another podcast you were on with my friend Frank Rich on The Superhuman Life. That was a great show. And um, you guys mentioned the standard at the end, which totally took me by surprise. So it's crazy every time I hear that. And um, I want to get into that. I actually want to talk about the state of men today. And I want to talk about your take on masculinity, especially as ambitious Christian businessmen that are crushing it and and what we can do and what we see happening in the culture and how we should be different and stand out. But before we get into all the areas that I want to go today, um, why don't we go a little bit through your backstory as you're, you're getting introduced to the audience here on Raising the Standard. We got a bunch of kingdom-driven men. Um, these guys are ambitious. They want to crush it in life. And we're always trying to find role models and people that we can anchor to. Um, just to get some ideas and to get inspiration and see different templates for how men are operating in the world today and not compromising at the same time. So I know you have an amazing backstory and I'd love you to kind of walk us through. Uh, maybe we can start with just your faith journey and tie it into at the same time, like parallel with your business career and, and kind of where you came from and where you are today. Awesome. Yeah, I think that uh, it's interesting that I was raised Catholic. Okay. Um, Catholicism did a great job of teaching me that Jesus is the son of God, but that's really it. Okay. Catechism is, I don't even remember it hardly. Right. Um, and that other than that, it was, you know, mom and dad, sometimes dad would go, he'd be sleeping through half the service, uh, you know, the stand sit kneel. So I think Catholicism has done an amazing job for, exposing potentially millions of people to Jesus Christ. So from that aspect, it's good. But what it didn't teach me was relationship. And so as I got older and started going off, hanging out with wrong people, doing drugs and partying, um, I got away from my belief in God and I almost got to a point where I was agnostic. Um, and then my daughter was born. So I got a girl pregnant. We were out of wedlock. She insisted on keeping it, and I was only 20. She was only 17. We're both still kids. But when my daughter came into this world, I really, like, it really reunited me with my belief in God, just my belief, right? So when I saw my own flesh and blood come into the world, right, then as I spent five or six years fighting for custody of her, just I just fought for custody rights. So when she was born, her family had a history of pushing the dad out of the equation and I was next in line. And so long story, long story short, uh, we were in and out of court for the first three or four years of her life. I hardly ever saw her. Um, I remember one time her mom needed a babysitter and because she wanted to go out partying on the weekends with her friends. And she called me because she couldn't find anybody else. And so I was so excited to see my daughter and they dropped her off and she didn't know who I was. And she was literally a year and a half old. And she sat there and cried in my arms because she didn't know who I was. So 
it's hard for me not to break up even to get teary eye talking about that now. However, God always has a plan and that is what ultimately increased my faith because that led me to the Body for Life contest. So fast forward to 1998, my daughter was six years old and I, I was honestly still fighting in and out of court. I had seen her more and was part of her life periodically, but literally even after we proved that she was mine through a blood test, the system is designed that they just want you to pay child support. And then if you want visitation rights, you got to pay to play. So I literally had to spend 6K on an attorney and go in and out of court. And her mom continued not to let me see her. And so I was at a grocery store one day and I came across a magazine called Muscle Media. And I know Josh, you're in my generation. So you remember the magazine. This was like, you know, uh, I would say like Beachbody or bodybuilding.com is now, right? It was the magazine version of that. And of course, that's when people actually read magazines because the internet really didn't exist. And I started reading a story about a dad who was fighting for custody rights of his kid and he entered the Body for Life contest. And it really echoed my own situation and inspired me. I bought the magazine. I immediately entered the contest. And 12 weeks later, I was first runner-up grand champion out of over 22,000 finishers in my category. And through that process, I lost 20 pounds of belly fat. Yes, I had six-pack abs for the first time in my life. And I was featured on ESPN on commercials. I was in Muscle Media Magazine. I landed a modeling contract. So all this amazing stuff happened. But really what happened was at the end of that contest, I had joint legal custody rights of my daughter. And so it really, I realized when that contest was over that fitness is the anchor that leaks over like a fire hose of positivity into every other area of your life. Right. And so that's really, uh, that really, that whole journey through the body for life journey. I remember I started reading more self-improvement books. So I came across books by John Maxwell and of course all the scriptures in there. And I kept wanting to know more. The scripture really intrigued me. And I thought, well, why not just go to the source? And so I bought the Maxwell Leadership Bible during that contest and reignited my relationship with God and Christ at the same time. So, you know, I truly believe that eating healthy the most of the time and physical fitness equals emotional, spiritual and relational fitness. That's amazing. I love that background, Sean. There's so many things I want to get into there, but. Thank God for the way you were brought up, you know, that you had an understanding at a young age and you had the right surrounding, at least to get a concept of, a, of the Father God, right? And Jesus and that saving knowledge. And then I, you know, um, and I just want to give you respect for pursuing fatherhood, right? So many guys in that exact same situation, they just walked away, right? We have a fatherless generation right now and you were fighting for your rights the whole time. Um, Tell me a little bit more about that. Like you had a, there's something in you, you know, I can, I can hear it when I talk to you, but God's, God's DNA is growth, right? He imprints it in us. And there's this hunger for growth. And, and I'm seeing that come through even as we just start this conversation. Um, but you even had that, that desire to be a father. Like, tell me a little bit more about where that came from. I think I was raised, right? My dad was, uh, he was absent sometimes and sometimes he wasn't. Sometimes he co helped coach my ball team. Other times he was at the bar all the time after work, you know. Um, so although my father really didn't teach me leadership skills, he taught me the value of morals and ethics. Um, and I think when, you know, always do what's right. You know, one, one thing my dad always taught me when people would treat me poorly is he always would say, son, kill him with kindness. It's the best weapon you have. And I think that's probably the best piece of advice I ever got from my dad. Probably only piece of advice I even remember, but I think because he had a moral compass and he had ethics and so did my mom and they both worked hard. They showed us those values. And I think that, that it's just woven, woven into you. So I can't really identify anything in particular to me. It's just the right thing to do that if I wanted to sleep at night and I wanted to be able to, because ultimately it's not be between me and her, my child's mom. It's not between me and anybody. It's between me and God. Right. So at night, if I'm going to like walk away from my daughter, I just wouldn't be able to sleep or live with myself just because of my moral compass. Yep. That says a lot about your character and just who you are as a man. So 
uh, appreciate that. Let's let's jump into the fitness journey because that's where you're just starting to go and how that was the linchpin that kind of changed everything for you. I probably saw your picture. I probably have, I still have a stack of Muscle Media 2000. Back when it was Muscle Media 2000, then they just went to Muscle Media. Did you win a Corvette? Because I know they gave a bunch of those away too. I lost a Corvette by a point and a half. Ah. Uh, so I, <laughs> I want to say there's politics there, but at the end of the day, it goes back to... Uh, you can either see the glass half empty or half full, like be bummed out about the Corvette or be, you know, totally grateful that you're in magazines and on ESPN and land of the mind. And I got a free year's worth. Hey, free year's worth of EAS supplements. That's great. So I did not get the vet, but I got a bunch of other benefits from it. So. I love the EAS supplements. I told you I had the 42 pack of myoplex. I used to sell them in my fitness oh, yeah. business. And, um, I loved phosphagen HP. That stuff blew me up as a skinny kid post-workout that really worked for me. <laughs> You know, it's funny. Most people don't remember that because uh, that Bill Phillips and Anthony Almada actually brought creatine to the marketplace through that magazine. And they were the first ones to introduce it. And most people don't even know that at, at this point because creatine is such a popular supplement now, right? Yeah. It's a lot cheaper these days too. But back in the day, phosphagen. Yep. Um, so let's jump into um, let's jump into this conversation about how fitness changed everything for you and how the way you just you did your fitness spilled over into every every area of your life i gotta ask you because you're in great shape and people that know you and people that are going to go visit your site they're going to see your physique and and obviously you worked really hard were you into fitness up to this point or were you like did you pick up a muscle media one day and you just started the fitness game at that point what happens when i got out of high school and i, I played basketball and football I did a little pole vaulting for track. I was bored. Um, my brother was off to college. My parents were didn't have the financial wherewithal to send me to college because uh, they were paying for his college. And I just got bored. So I started training with weights after work because I was just bored. I miss sports and I miss being active. So I had a good foundation of workout habits in my life when I stumbled across that magazine when I was 28 years old. Okay. Okay, that's good. So, but then you really stepped into bodybuilding at that point. What happened was when the stress started happening with my daughter, um, I started over exercising because it was a way to deal with the stress. And when I joined the Body for Life contest, I actually cut my exercise time almost in half. And so I started doing more cardio. Obviously, I was just a weight training guy. I would literally train with weights five, six days a week for two hours at a time. So, I stopped doing all this overtraining. I started training in a fasted state, doing high intensity intervals. If you remember the body for life, the 20 minute solution he had called it the 20 minute interval solution. This is when intervals were never even heard of. Um, and so it was really about understanding more than anything diet because it is, you know, the, the saying abs are made in the kitchen is said for a reason. I mean, 90% of your results is going to be from your nutrition. So through that 90 day journey, I really realized the value of how I fed myself and the way it affected my performance and obviously how I looked as well. Um, and it put some structure behind um, what I was doing. And then the main thing that happened with me was I got away from the wrong people. We ultimately become who we hang out with. I think Jim Rohn said it right. You become the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. Now, there's certain people in our life we don't have a choice. We have to spend time with them because they're family. Um, but there's a lot of choices that we can make. And through that contest, I stopped hanging around people. I stopped partying all night. I stopped doing drugs on the weekends. To me, I was a weekend warrior. And I started realizing that I was wasting my potential in life. And so fitness really brought back my confidence in myself and my self-worth to instead of trying to escape reality every weekend, um, I really wanted to make something of myself. And so I think that that's a value. All the values I'm just discussing right now holds true for anybody who really embarks on a fitness journey and gets to a point where they don't even really become habits. They almost become rituals because at the end of the day, when people ask me how I stay motivated, I simply answer, I don't. I just do it anyway. You know, motivation is like your cell phone battery, you know, like willpower. It just, it depletes as the day goes on. And so looking back on that journey, I think the main 
trigger there was the people I hung out with because that ultimately becomes your future. And I remember when I placed first runner up, my buddy called me and he was like, well, yeah, I see you mentioned this in your essay, dude. Thanks for calling us losers, you know, or something. So he was like, and he was really proud of me. Like he loved that. Like, you know, cause he knew I wasn't around anymore, but he was okay with it because he saw I was bettering myself. Yeah. Wow. Tell me about the role of identity. Cause what I hear you say, when you talk about rituals and habits, that really comes from who you are. So who did you become in this contest? And then how did that affect the trajectory of your life? Because I know you have a lot of stuff on the business side I want to get into as well, but going through that contest and changing with fitness being the linchpin for you, who did Sean change into? I think I changed into the fitness professional. I really did. I transformed from, you know, just the guy with no direction in his life. And now I had identity when I was done. Um, I was the guy who placed first runner up grand champion. And then immediately turned around and got certified after that and started training people and got a job at the gym immediately. So completely changed my identity as a person. So let's take me from there. What happens next in your life? Because now you become this fitness professional. Um, take me to the business side because you have an amazing story and cr incredible results and success for where you are right now. Um, Walk us through what happens after this contest. I think uh, I got burned out on training. And what happened was, is I was trading time for money. Um, you know, and it happens to many trainers. And, you know, we get to a point where it's like, you're really proud of the fact that you have 60 client hours a week until you have to do it for six months. Um, because you realize you become a big, giant, glorified counselor. So as much as I love changing people's lives and as much as I didn't mind being the counselor when I had to be the counselor, I realized I was limiting my ability to create income. And so I started focusing more on how I could make more money. And so I dove into the mortgage industry for several years, learned how to make a hundred grand a year and realized really fast that the only thing I liked about it was the paycheck. And so that eventually brought me back to fitness and I have opened up a personal training studio in Ann Arbor, Michigan called Fitness Together. Their franchise is still around today. And I, within a year, I took my studio and I have to give my wife a ton of credit. This is how her and I met and fell in love was we opened up a studio together. She was divorced and wanted something to do. And I needed a bookkeeper and somebody to help me. And I needed a female face on the business as well. And so her and I teamed up, we opened up the studio, took it to number eight in the world out of 350 franchises. And we had a lot of success with it, but I was limiting the amount of people I could reach. I could only reach about four or 500 people. And of course, by this time, you're understanding the power of the internet. And I started filming little YouTube videos and they started getting some traction and and I realized really fast when I started seeing these other guys buzzing around the internet like mosquitoes, Vince Del Monte and Joel Marion and Craig Ballantyne with his turbulence training. And I'm like, hey, I, I could do this. And so um, I made a decision to sell the studios and partnered with a, a guy that helped me with my tech because I knew I needed a tech guy. And we sold the studio almost immediately to three doctors who had owned a studio in another city in Michigan. And they decided not to pay me. And so three years went by after we closed on the studio, I had to sue them. And we went through literally a two and a half year lawsuit trying to get our money back. And we never really did recoup what we were supposed to. And through that journey, because I was trying to make the online business work, we were living off my wife's inheritance. And so this put an unbearable amount of stress on the marriage. And we started drinking a lot uh, more than ever. And we started fighting. And the next thing you know, uh, we were filing for divorce. I was moving out of, I moved out of her house at 40 years old. I started sleeping in my mom's basement. And through this entire journey, my family even told me that I should quit tracing my dream. Like they literally told me, stop. Like, you know, you, this has been three years of this crap, but every time I wanted to quit, Josh, every single time God gave me a sign. Now I said to you earlier in our conversation before this, that our eyes only see and our ears only hear what our mind is looking for. And I think I was, look, I was probably looking for answers from God at that point, because I was at a desperate point. I mean, I literally had lost everything. The only thing I had left was my faith. I'd lost my wife. I'd lost my house. I'd lost my business. And so all I had left was my faith. And, and I just would never give up. And finally, I was convinced by my business partner that 
we needed to meet the right people because we had the chops. We, were, we, we knew what we were doing could be effective if we had the relationships. And really, this is the take home message of all this is, is not the how, it's the who. And I flew to an event in San Diego, jumped over a bunch of tables uh, with 500 people in the room to meet a man named Joel Marion. And when I, and after I met Joel, he introduced me to the entire online fitness syndicate and all the people that were doing business together. And what I didn't realize, and this is important for anybody listening as an entrepreneur, is that it wasn't about competition. It was about collaboration. So what I discovered is that all these guys were not my competitors. I thought for three years I was competing against these guys. And what I realized is that they actually were my business partners. And so when I went from viewing them as a collaboration versus competition, everything changed. And the, and the company did a hockey stick on the map and literally went from like negative 8K on the P&L to 800K the next year. And then a couple of years later, we were doing almost 5 million bucks on digital eBooks. That's an amazing story. I want to backtrack for a minute for when you wanted to leave the personal training studio. Cause I got to imagine there's a lot of safety and security that comes with that, right? You got a consistent paycheck. Um, your business is doing well. How much courage did, did that take? Was that, was that driven out of aspiration or was it driven out of frustration? Like I got to get out of this or were you ch more chasing a dream? Just walk me through that because I think a lot of guys, they have a passion that they gave up on. And similar to your story with going into the mortgage industry, they, they find safety and they find security. And now we have responsibilities, but there was this thing I really wanted to do. So what was it that drove you to say, hey, I, I need a change. I'm going to do something different and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dream and think bigger. I felt like God had called me for something bigger than just 400 people. And, you know, I, I'll never forget my wife is the most amazing support system. And I can't, I got to have to close that loop because her and I did mend our fences because of our relationship with God. After the company started succeeding a little bit, she actually went to a church service sidebarring here a little bit. And it was called the, it was called the helper. And it was all about the Lion King. And um, she realized when she left that service, she got a hold of me and she's like, I realized that my mom and dad's inheritance was used for a specific purpose now to get you to where, to get you where you're at. And she said, I forgive you. Wow. Because that carried that, you through, right? When you were looking, you were relying on, yeah. you were living off that. Yeah. yeah. So back to your, so, you know, we've been married ever since now we have 10 grandkids. Wow. So that's a long story made short. So backtrack, yeah, backtracking on that. So most amazing thing that's ever happened to me outside of my relationship with God and Christ, obviously. But what it was is I just knew God had called me for something bigger. I'm like, I told my wife, you know, honey, like 400 people or 4 million. Like, you know, if we go online, like I can have a real impact. And I just, I think the contest in my career, because by that time I was voted most health fitness, um, most fit health and fitness professional over 40 by club solutions magazine. So I put a couple other feathers in my camp. I had done several photo shoots, got featured in oxygen magazine and all this stuff. So I knew like I had my confidence level had really increased. Right. And so for me, it was like, well, I'm never going to be able to fulfill God's plan for my life with these personal training studios. I have to get online and expose myself to more people. So Sean, this is truly an amazing story. I've seen how you've changed your identity as you're walking me through just your personal story here. You became a new person, a new man, a new identity, new rituals, new habits. And that affected not only your, your body and your business, it affected everything in your life, the whole trajectory to going from, um, you know, being frustrated in the mortgage industry to finding your path and then being on the top of your mountain right now in the fitness industry. So. Tell me, and it's a similar journey for any man that embarks on a fitness journey and what they need to have in life to be equipped to go out and act courageously like the moves you've made. So tell me more about how you upgrade your mindset with your clients, with yourself. Is that only relegated just to the fitness domain? Um, or can we use this in every area of our life? And how do you do that? How do you do that with the guys you work with? And how did you do it for yourself? I first thing I do is I tell people to go download the audio called The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. Okay, because this is a classic. I think it's more classic than Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And it's basically the whole theme is you become what you think about. 
And once we control our thoughts, then we can control our life, you know, because thoughts manifest themselves ultimately into actions. And, um, you know, you could call it the law of attraction. I like to call it the law of action attraction because, you know, God can move the mountains, but you got to bring your shovel, right? So you can't just wait for the mailbox money to come like the, the old movie, The Secret. It doesn't happen that way. Um, but it is all about the BS, your belief system. And I think through my fitness journey, uh, because of the discipline that you take and you apply, you all of a sudden start having a sharper mind. And so as I started reading personal development books by John Maxwell, I started reading the Leadership Bible and you come across scripture about your thoughts. And so I realized that, you know, it's not this, it's not that hard. The secret is just to have a few steps in place so that you are controlling the direction of your thoughts. And I think it starts with your day. I think at the beginning of a day, when we wake up, we have a choice. We can send ourselves down rabbit holes on social media. We can turn on the negative news, but ultimately that manifests itself into our day and it becomes our day. And so what you focus on expands. And so I'm a huge believer in teaching people how to control their mindset. There's several different ways that you can do it. And I tell them to pick their flavor based on their own personality. For me personally, it's a mind movie. And so I talk, I, t I share with people that, you know, we embark on a fitness journey. It's not about just that F, right? We have family, we have faith, we have finances and we have our future. So I talk about those five Fs. And so what I did, um, when I read The Secret, I realized certain moments in my life looking back where that had come true. Like when I, I would attract something into my life by the way that I continuously thought about it. But I also realized that I took actions to do that, but it inspired me to create a mind movie based on the five F's. And so I took slides with words on them and images and I created a, uh, an iMovie and it's a five minutes long and it has music and so it covers the five F's it starts with faith and it goes through all five F's. And I created the first one in 2008 when Karen and I were just losing the house. I remember, I remember the day I was sitting at my kitchen table and my, and I was making the mind movie. I was creating the slides and my stepson kept walking by and looking over my shoulder. And at this point, you know, he knew he was still living at home and in high school. So he knew how bad it was between his mom and me. And he said, dude, what are you doing? And he asked about it. And then he asked if he could see it when I was done. And I told him it was very private. And I wasn't really comfortable sharing it with him, but I told him as long as he promised not to share it with anybody else, I would, because at this point, Josh was pretty insecure about a lot of things. And so I was putting a lot of hope on this dang my movie. <laughs> and a couple of years later, he came to me and he said, dude, all those slides came true. And so he watched that my movie and there was financial stuff on there as well that he saw come true. He saw, you know, we started building our dream house a couple of years later. He saw that in there. And so he saw all this stuff manifest itself into my life based on that my movie. And sure enough, you know, two years after creating that first one, I had to make another one. And that's and that's what ended up happening. I think I'm on like my fourth or fifth one at this point in time. And what I do is I just wake up every morning and I watch this. It takes five minutes. Now you have to do it and commit to it for a week. And I'm telling you, if you just do this for seven days, because you're not going to want to do it, you're going to get up and you're going to do what you normally do. You're going to grab your phone and you're going to see who texts you, you know, and all that stuff. But if you just do this for seven days, I'm telling you, and you put it in, make it part of your lifestyle, then it will ingrain itself into your subconscious. And I was discussing this with you before the call, Josh, about brainwaves. There's certain brainwaves. And I can't remember if it was Delta or which one it was, but when you wake up, your brain waves are subconsciously at a level where you're much more likely to absorb what you expose yourself to. So again, if you expose yourself to negative, you're going to manifest more negative. If you expose yourself to positive, you're going to manifest more positive. If you expose yourself to your future self, you're going to become more like your future self. And so uh, the last my movie I made was a couple of years ago, and I'm still working on this one because every one I got more aggressive with my dreams, goals, and desires because once you achieve a couple of my movies and you have to make new ones, well, it increases your belief. 
your BS, right? And so as your BS goes up, so do your goals. They become bigger and bigger and bigger. So now I have stuff on there like, man, I don't know how I'm ever going to achieve this, but I said the same thing back in 2008. So I'm just going to have faith and I'm going to step into it and I'm going to keep watching it and doing it. Now, maybe it's goal cards instead of a mind movie for you. Maybe you just need it on a card. Earl Nightingale talks about this in his audio. Figure out what is it you want and put it in writing. And then he says, put right on the card, the whole, you know, asking you shall find knocking it shall be opened right so put it right on that card and just read it and keep it in front of you and commit to that goal for 30 days and you'll be amazed at what happens at the end of 30 days you literally will rewire your brain so that when you wake up you're looking to do it you're not like oh i don't feel like doing that because that's what's going to happen in the first week you're not going to feel like doing it even though it only takes you five minutes but i can tell you this that it's not the answer to all your prayers but it is the beginning for sure. And your chances of achieving the stuff that's in your mind movie or on your goal cards, I think increase exponentially if versus if you did not do it at all. Yeah. I, and so we become what we think about. Absolutely. And you know, that that's biblical. What you're sharing is something King Solomon says in Proverbs 23, that as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So these are biblical principles. These are kingdom principles that, that you're using. So, um, Let's talk about this. You know, Sean, I heard you say that you've been updating this and you've been upgrading this mind movie over and over again. And um, I think many of us, I know in my life, this has happened that we get what we want. We set a goal for ourselves. We get there and then we become a little complacent. Has that ever happened to you? And and how do you, did you ever get in a rut where you were just complacent with what you got and then what fired you up to make the next one? Uh, I think it's human nature right? We all go through valleys of despair and then we're all on top of the mountain, right? And so, especially as an entrepreneur, there's ups and downs with that journey. I think really what, what I do is I do a challenge. I'll, like I'll challenge myself. Like I, we all know when we're to a point where we're doing stuff we shouldn't be doing every day and we don't like ourselves, we need to check out from the neck up. And unfortunately, we're going to move away from pain or towards pleasure, right? It's one or the other. And I really think that you need to put a challenge in front of you and hold yourself accountable. So an example of this was last July of last year when Joel Marion approached me and he said, we're doing 75 hard and I challenge you. And uh, he specifically said, he goes, I saw how much you're liking those drinks. Like, and I wasn't drinking too much. But Joel, had been, he's been sober for like four years, right? Um, he might have a beer here or there, and that's about it. And so because he's somebody I look up to and respect and would never want to let down, I'm not going to say no to that challenge. And I knew that he was right. I needed it. So sometimes it just takes somebody else to call you out. So I really recommend everybody just get a mentor, not a friend, because a friend isn't going to call your ass out, okay? A friend's going to say, dude, it's all right. Don't worry about it, right? A real mentor is going to call you out and they're going to hold you accountable to your behaviors. And so when I find myself getting into a rut or into a valley, I'll challenge myself or I'll call Craig Ballantyne, you know, my old coach. Um, and I'll say, Hey bro, text messages for the next 30 days. I need you to hold me accountable. Right. And so I think it's super important because now if I'm breaking the rule that I have that I'm not drinking or whatever challenge I'm giving myself, well, I'm not going to let Craig down. Like, I really have somebody I'm like, I can let myself down. It's like, yeah, I have the drink. I forgive myself, right? But if I had to text Craig, dude, I bailed last night and had a drink. It's like, there's no way I'm going to let him win. And it was the same with 75 hard. There were 16 other guys doing this. And there's hell, hell no, I was not going to let them win, right? right? And so I think uh, you have to find what pushes your buttons to hold you accountable, for me, it's always been some type of challenge or mentorship. Um, and again, personalities and styles of motivation differ. So you need to find out what that is for you. And you need to learn to consistently realize and be self-aware of when you're getting into a valley and how to get yourself out. And that's my two tools that I use is accountability wow. and mentorship. Sean, this is incredibly vulnerable for you to share this. And the reason I'm saying that is because I think we live in a day and age where everything's about status. It's about the way we look. It's about the image we portray. And I feel like it's a, it takes a lot of vulnerability to say, I need help. 
you know, I need a mentor, I need a coach, and I'm getting that from you. Your your growth mindset is just coming through that you always look to find someone else that's either ahead of you or someone that can help you with where you're at. What do you say to, you know, let me ask you, do you see this where guys are trying to go on their own? It's kind of back to that collaboration discussion you brought up where men just try and do it on their own and they feel like it's a sign of weakness to ask for help or to show someone that, hey, I do need accountability in this area. I think you, you hit the nail on the head um, that we don't want to admit our weaknesses. Like we, we don't, we don't want to share our failures and our shortcomings with somebody that we look up to because they're, we're afraid they're going to see us differently now. But I think what we need to realize is that no, that they love that. That's what they want. They're going to be super, you know, so it's more about understanding the viewpoint of the mentor Right. And understanding where they're coming from, uh, not being afraid to admit your shortcomings and your weaknesses. I learned a long time ago that vulnerability is something that everybody can relate to. Um, so because when you're vulnerable, you're admitting that you're just like somebody else. Right. They're thinking these same things inside. They're just not expressing them. So I think really is just, you know, uh, taking ownership for it more than anything else in the world. And I think, you know, we, we talked about the, the threat on masculinity nowadays, and that's a, it's also a threat on personal responsibility, right? I mean, taking personal responsibility for our life. And if it is to be, it's up to me. That's really what it boils down to. And we're living in a world where that is being attacked. Um, and so as Christians and as businessmen, as entrepreneurs, we need to be the voice of reason, but it does start with, being vulnerable and admitting that you don't have all your poop in a group, right? Like it's, it's okay. We all have periods where we're on track 75 hard. I crushed it. Right. And then recently I started falling back off track again. And I told Karen 30 day challenge. I just told her, you know, 30 day challenge. I'm going to clean up my act for 30 days. And then she knows immediately when I flip the light switch, like we're doing it. Right. Um, and so, you know, even if it's, I don't care if it's a one day challenge, dude. I think the other thing too, is like not beating yourself up. I, think, like, I always have this saying with uh, clients that we coach, strive for consistency, not perfection. Like if you had the three glasses of wine versus the one the night before, and you dipped your hand into the chocolate covered almonds too many times, you don't start till next, you don't wait till next Monday to start. That's what most people will do, right? So I'll deal with it next week. No, just get up, dust yourself off and start over today. Not tomorrow, not Monday, today. And I think if you just strive for consistency and not perfection, because when it comes to fat loss or any goal in life, there's never any going to be perfection. We're always going to stumble and make mistakes. You just need to embrace it and make it part of the journey. Okay, you talked about the, the two motivators that you see is this drive away from pain or this drive towards pleasure and what you want. Um, what do you see with your clients? What do you think that most people are motivated by? And I'm personally just interested, what motivates you? Is it away from frustration of what you don't want to be? Or is it more aspirational about who you do want to be? I think it's definitely uh, moving away from who I don't want to be. Um, it, it, you know, it's very easy to slide back into old habits. And um, so for me, it's that. And, and you know, I mean, for other people, it might be that they, you know, they move towards pleasure. I think when we're, moving away from pain, sometimes we're automatically going towards the pleasure as well. Um, we just haven't found it yet. Right. And so it's a, I think really what we need, we all need from a behavioral standpoint, what I tell clients is, is this is like one day at a time, but we also, we need to be consciously aware of our shortcomings and I think that we need to be surrounded by people who are going to help us and support us with the direction that we're headed. And so one of the number one things that I do with clients is I tell them to take inventory of who they're hanging out with and who they're spending their time with. Because if they're engaging in bad habits with other people that engage in those bad habits, and then they come on board with us as a client, well, that needs to change. Otherwise, they're going to just continue to doing do what they're what they've already done. And so, it's not what people want to hear. It's like, listen, man, you need to stop spending time with this jerk, right? But that's really it. Take inventory around you of who you're spending your time with, because that's really going to manifest itself into your okay. actions. It really is.
Um, let, let's transition, Sean. I want to pick your brain while I got you here, and I want you to share some of your expertise with our audience because we got a lot of guys over 40. I'm over 40 myself, and I know that's your your specialty when it comes to the, the everyday work you do with getting people in the best shape that they can be in. Um, I'm noticing, bro, I'm tight. Like my hips are tight. I'm sore. Um, I definitely have changed. my. I've seen my body change, and I've been training for a long time, and I can still maintain a lot of the the ground that I gained over the years, but it's not the same as it used to be. It's longer recovery times. It's uh, lost mobility a little bit, and it's definitely not as easy to strip off the fat even when I go really hard. So what are some of the challenges you see with the audience that you work with? And um, just take me there a little bit with, with the specific work that you do. Well, I think we have to get away from, well, you know, when it comes to guys, heavier lifting, um, it's not necessary. Your muscles don't know the difference between the hundred pound dumbbells in the seventies, slow down the tempo, squeeze a little harder. It's the same tension on your muscles. And I'm guilty of this. I have a ripped and torn up shoulder. I've had two bicep surgeries all because I trained heavy with my ego when I was younger. And so number one, lift weights, because if all you do is cardio and eat right, and you're a pear or an apple shaped body, you're just going to be a smaller pear or apple. Right. And so it's very important to understand that weight training after 40 years old, it is the ultimate longevity secret because sarcopenia kicks in as soon as we turn 40. That's just a fancy word for muscle loss and muscle equals metabolism. And at the end of the day, you know, weight training is going to be the one thing that helps keep us younger and women who are afraid of bulking up should be afraid of the opposite. They should be afraid of not having enough muscle rather than having too much. There's a few exceptions to the rule, about 10% of women out there do have higher testosterone levels, but in general, just going back to, um, making strength training, a consistent part of your routine. And then understanding that sometimes the warm up gets longer and longer and the workout has to get shorter and shorter. Um, and I find that as the years go on at 51 years old, now I literally three days of the week, I go into the gym in the afternoon and I just lay on that floor and I do dynamic stretching. I do soft tissue work. I do static stretching and it's a, a good half hour routine. And, and it's something that I don't want to do. Personally, I want to pick up the weights and go at it. I'm a high intensity guy, right? I want to sweat. I want to grunt. Um, I want to get some stress relief. Uh, but if I know how much better I feel when I do that. And I also know that like, if I put out my back or I start getting a strain in my hip or my knee, it's all because I didn't do that. Right. And so it's understanding that, you know, when you're over 40, you have to approach things differently. Now, when it comes to the diet and the exercise portion of like how to burn fat, we can dive into that more if you want to, but I would just make sure that number one, your weight training and don't train heavy. You don't have to train heavy because it's going to save your joints. I tell this to young kids in the gym all the time when they come up to me and they'll say, dude, I mean, kids will say to me, and I like this about kids nowadays, and I think social media maybe helps this. Maybe it does have a benefit. They come up and ask me, like, dude, I want to look like you. Like, I can't believe you're a grandpa. You're 51. Like, what is your biggest piece of advice? Like, don't train heavy. Like, you're just going to regret it when you get to be my age. Um, and so taking time to make mobility and soft tissue and stretching part of your weekly routine, I think, is probably one of the best things that you can do for yourself uh, to prevent an injury and then just feel better. Like sitting at your desk working, right. You're going to feel way better. Yeah. That's great. So. Um, tell me about the, you know, we have a lot of, we have a lot of marketing coming at us, coming at us from every angle. There's always something new. And I think like the human mind is always looking for a shortcut. Like, Oh, there's this, this week, or there's a new diet or there's a new fad, or it could be a supplement. Um, what do you say to that stuff? Because I'd like to get your opinion on your, your diet strategy and approach and what you do with your clients as your mainstay. But we have keto, we have IF, we have, um, paleo there's been all these new upswings over the last couple of years as well with even new different approaches so how do you how do you deal with that and what do you constantly go back to well the first thing i tell people is what's the first three letters of the word diet <laughs> die so that's number one right well with that being said i get the question all the time dude what's the best diet to follow and the answer is whatever one you can adhere to right? Because there's a thousand ways to skin this cat. There really is. Yes, 
I can give you tricks. I can give you techniques. I can give you different strategies. I could, you know, as, especially as people get leaner, I have some tricks on how to burn stubborn fat that we could talk about. But at the end of the day, all that really matters is two things. And I call them the dynamic duo. And these are the only two things that matter. It doesn't matter. You could not weight train or not exercise. And these two things will still get you great results. And that is calorie deficit and adequate protein intake. Those are the only two things necessary to lose consistent weight. And the reason that protein intake is so important, because protein is by far the king of all macros. And most people underestimate, underutilize, and underconsume protein. Uh, because protein is the only macro that will actually speed up your metabolism when you eat it. And so the first side effect of dieting and putting your body in a calorie deficit is metabolic slowdown, where your metabolism naturally slows down. And this suppresses two of your body's weight management hormones, which are your thyroid and your leptin levels. And so adequate protein intake is going to help speed back up the metabolism when metabolic slowdown kicks in. Now, I'm also a huge fan of carb cycling. And so I really believe I, I like uh, a diet where it's very low carb during the week, super high protein, fast, just fill in the missing gaps. And then I carb load every weekend. And this takes me to maintenance or in a surplus for a couple of days. So what happens is you get this one nice fat burning phase of five days. And I think it works really good with our social life, right? Because on the weekends, we want to have fun. So now you can eat your carbs on the weekend. Now, why? Why would we do this? Well, number one, adherence makes it much easier to stick to a diet. Carbs like you don't have to eliminate any food groups, none. Like that's why I like it. I don't like eliminating food groups. Why do diets work? Well, because you eliminate food groups. <laughs> I mean, most of the time you're just eliminating something. So that's what makes it work. But glucose from carbs like white rice and potatoes is a building block of thyroid and leptin hormones. And so the thyroid and leptin, thyroid gland responds to leptin strategically from intake of glucose. So this is why even people who do a keto diet and exercise, I recommend they do refeeds. And I tell them like, I would refeed every weekend if I was you on a keto diet, because you can get back into ketosis within a day or two. I'm not a fan of that diet personally, because I'm a weight trainer. I think it can and does work for people. I think it's better for more therapeutic reasons, disease prevention, cancer, anti-inflammatory, diabetes, inflammation, all that stuff. Um, but I do know there's keto bodybuilders out there who look amazing, proving that any diet can work, right? But at the end of the day, it all comes back to the dynamic duo. You must be in a calorie deficit and you must get adequate protein because protein is not only going to increase your metabolism, it's going to prevent muscle loss. And it's going to stave off hunger and cravings. So I'll make one more point about the protein. I think it's important. If you took your twin and you had your twin and your twin ate exactly what you did, had the same activity level as you did and the same calorie intake as you did every single day, at the end of the day, if your twin consumed more protein, your twin would win. Your twin would lose more weight. Your twin would have a faster metabolism. Your twin would lose less muscle and your twin would have less hunger and cravings. And the research bears this out. This isn't just one or two studies. There's dozens of studies that back this up, that when all things are created equal, the person who consumes the most protein will win the weight loss battle and they'll have less. Okay, so protein supplements or no, do you get it all from whole food? It's really hard. So during 75 hard, I experimented by taking my protein intake to 275 to 300 grams a day, there's no way I could have did that without shakes. So I think yeah, I weighed 190 pounds and my blood work was incredible. Like the best, like the lady that did my blood work. Now I wasn't drinking alcohol or eating sugar. So, you know, full disclosure, <laughs> but my blood, like she was blown away. She's like, you're eating that much protein and you're like, your kidneys are fine. She's like, this is like some of the best blood work I've ever seen. I'm like, well, I haven't eaten sugar or drank alcohol for 75 days, you know, but it is a lot. But I tell you what, what happens is, is your body starts using it as fuel and it really like prevents hunger when you're getting to the point where you get, at this point, I was under 10% body fat. So the hunger cravings were kicking in. So all that protein really helped keep me full. I never really got hungry, um, which was it's an amazing, you know, that's what I love about protein. So yeah, it's hard to do. You can do it with whole food, but I'm still a believer to this day. I still have at least one to three protein okay. shakes every single wow. day. Um, so if you're carb loading on the weekends, your Monday workouts must, must be amazing, right? Are you getting crazy pumped and just the carb load there? Totally. And in fact, a couple of weeks ago, I started adding carbs into 
my plan during the week because I could just tell my body needed to like, I had been in a deficit far too long. My body just needed to be in a surplus for a while. And I could tell you can just, after you do this for so many years, you can just tell, I could not believe my workouts. When I started consuming the carbs during the week before and after my workouts, I couldn't believe the pump. I couldn't believe the energy and the performance. I really didn't realize how depleted I was until I loaded again. Um, but yes, to answer your question, absolutely. Um, pumps are incredible because you're replenishing all your glycogen. So during the week, you're depleting it all, right? And then come Monday, you're all, you're replenished. Your muscles and your liver are full of stored energy and then you explode. Um, so. Talk to me about intermittent fasting for men over 40. What's your take on that? I think it's an amazing tool. I've used it for a decade. Um, I just did a video on this yesterday because there was a meta-analysis that came out. They took 40 studies and they compared regular weight loss diet without intermittent fasting to intermittent fasting. And at the end of the day, although intermittent fasting worked, it was no better than regular dieting. So at the end of the day, again, going back to the twin analogy, if your twin ate six small meals a day and you ate all your food in a four-hour window and you fasted 20 hours a day, if your macros were the same, you'd get the same exact results. But with that all being said, there are certain physiological and psychological benefits to intermittent fasting that go far beyond weight loss. And number one is adherence. I mean, when you're fasting for a set period of time, and then you feed your body for a set period of time, you start getting something called hormonal entrainment. And so your body starts releasing ghrelin at the right times every single day. So I'm a big believer in five days of intermittent fasting, two off. I like to enjoy my weekends. I want to have breakfast with my grandkids when they're over and all that stuff. Now, you need to figure out what works for you. You could do it seven days a week. You could do it four. You could do a 24-hour fast twice a week. You could do 16-8. You could do 24-hour fast, four days, whatever you want to do. You have to figure out what works for you. But at the end of the day, I think fasting really helps with hormonal entrainment. And I find that Mondays, because I've eaten the carbs all weekend and I've probably had a cheat meal or two and enjoyed myself, I'm just not hungry. So I fast for usually 18 to 20 hours every Monday because I'm just not hungry. And then the other days of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'll usually fast 16 to 18 hours when I'm on a consistent regimen and trying to get lean or stay lean. That's what I do now. There's other psychological or physiological benefits as well because it eliminates your emotional attachment to thinking you have to eat every couple hours. You know, when I did Body for Life back in 98, we talked about this contest, I ate six to seven small meals a day and got amazing results, proving that it doesn't matter when you eat. It really matters what you eat, right? Um, but at the end of the day, if it makes it easier to put your body in a deficit by fasting, why would you not do that? And so the last 10 years I fasted, the 10 years before that I didn't. But the 10 years before that I wasn't married, didn't have four kids and 10 grandkids. So it was a lot, it was much easier to eat six or seven small meals a day. Now that's cumbersome and sounds like a nightmare to me. Who wants to do that? That's like, it's much more enjoyable way to diet. In my opinion, it makes it much easier to adhere to a plan. And at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Is it? Well, I'm glad to hear you say that I've been intermittent fasting for the past couple of years now. And it's like, I'm not even hungry in the morning. I don't have my first meal until noon. Um, but I do notice that it is harder to get those protein intakes in if you're not used to it. I have a smaller amount of time to get a larger amount of food in if that's what my goal is. So there is a challenge with that sometimes. Yeah, you have to have a shake with your meal actually sometimes, right? To make yeah. it work to hit your macros. But I'm glad you also so. blew up that myth of the, you know, I, I grew up in the bodybuilding culture. So it was like, I got to have protein every every two hours. I'm, I'm going to go catabolic. And, and I noticed the first thing when I started IF is that I didn't lose any muscle. I didn't. And I train in the morning. So yeah, I've actually yeah. gained weight. So I've gotten yeah. leaner both ways. There's a lot yeah. more. Yeah. There is a lot more research that needs to be done on it because you can see the results of the intermittent fasting community is amazing. And so there's a lot of assumptions that are being made right now, even by the smartest top experts in our field that I respect and look up to. They'll even say it like, you know, they don't have the research to show this, but look at the community. Like they're not losing muscle, right? You know, so, um, and most people don't understand that when you're in a fasted state, your body's sympathetic nervous system activates. Okay. This is your SNS. It's your body's fight or flight response. And when that kicks up, your metabolism increases. You also will release more growth hormone. You'll release more glucagon. Glucagon is a blood sugar hormone. And so during the fasted window, it will help release fatty acids from fat cells to burn off. So although at the end of the day, all that matters is a dynamic duo. 
your chances of burning fat during a fasted window are much higher than if you didn't fast. Um, and at the end of the day, you're also going to have more focus and more mental clarity. And then research shows people who fast live longer. So it really has its longevity benefits as well. I mean, we're talking mostly about weight loss, but there are physical benefits to fasting awesome. outside of just well, weight loss. I'm glad to hear you share that with me. Um, let's, let's wrap it up with this, Sean. I want you to take me to just the present state of men, like what you're seeing in the culture today. You know, we talked about a lot of things here in terms of being driven and raising the bar and having this growth mindset to go after it in life and not to be passive, not to be weak when it comes to, you know, our mental game, our spiritual game, and also the physical game, obviously. Um, what do you see happening in the culture right now in terms of just looking at the state of men and kind of where we are as a society? Well, you know, they're trying to glorify, um, basically glorify being a beta male uh, versus an alpha male. And this is one of my biggest struggles where I'm constantly praying to God because of the way I judge a beta male. It's really hard to tolerate a beta male for me because they just don't have a pair. You know what I'm saying? They don't have a pair of kahunas. And I think that it's being glorified. I mean, we can see what's happening with the woke culture um, that being a man is being demonized and it's being shamed. And now more than ever, we have to grow a pair and stand up and be an alpha male and be an example for our family and those around us and be strong. Like we're supposed to be just like the standard lays out, like bottom line, like, you know, we have to model Christ and build our Christ like character. That's, that's the, like the number one weapon that we have against today's culture attacking us is to build our Christ-like character, is to become more like him. That's the only thing that we should be striving to do because that'll make us more of a man. It will make us an alpha male automatically. So be yeah. a lion. Tell me, when it comes to building Christ-like character, can you give me like your top three strategies or things maybe that you're doing that just align with that mission so you don't ever get off course and you just keep pursuing conformity to Christ in this area of your life? Read your devotional. Get a devotional and read it. I love Max Lucado. He just like his... One of his devotionals, I'm hooked on that thing. And I've like, I bought like three of them because they fall apart in my sauna. Pray and get alone. Like those three things you get. Well, get alone should be number one. So get alone without your phone, unless your mind movie's on there like it is on mine. But literally I'll get in my sauna. It's right behind me. You can see it back here. I call it my God, I call it my God box. Um, and so when I get in there, if I haven't watched my mind movie early in the morning, I'll watch it in there. But then I throw my phone out immediately and then i get to my devotional and i get to my prayer and then i breathe breathe and just listen for his words this becomes very very hard but when the phone's not there it's going to be a lot easier but those are really it that, that's really it man find a devotional where you can get into his word pray right and get alone with him those three things i mean jesus went off into the woods every morning before everybody woke up and he didn't have an iphone with him Sean, is that your morning routine? Did you just describe what your morning looks like? Pretty much. Um, it depends on what's going on in my life. Uh, if we're in a growth period with business and I'm being held accountable to more deadlines, then I will wake up and immediately go to my biggest rock of the day, like my eat the frog, right? So, but my normal everyday routine is I wake up, I watch my mind movie. I turn on the sauna. I typically will get in a 20 to 40 minute cardio session. And then I sit in the sauna alone and I read my goal cards. I read my devotional and I pray. And then I'll try to read five to 10 pages of a book as well. Awesome. So Sean, as we wrap up here for men that are listening, tell us specifically how you can help them and how they can get in touch with you if they want to take the next step and work with you as a coach or get involved in one of the programs that you offer. I think the best thing to do is just go to my Instagram handle. It's the ripped grandpa. And if you just go to that handle and you click the link in the bio, you will see the services that we have to offer. You can schedule the, the top one is the one I recommend for anybody looking to get serious. I mean, if you're looking to transform your body and your life, because ultimately that's what we're about, you can schedule a free coaching call with us. We'll, we'll get on the call with you. We'll go over your goals and we'll help you. And if it's a good fit, we'll work together. And if it's not, you'll have at least somewhat of a roadmap in your hands to follow. Is intermittent fasting right for you or is it not? It's not right for everybody, but we'll find that out and we'll dig in and develop so a really customized for approach for whoever reaches out to you. 
Exactly. Well, Sean, man, it was awesome talking with you today. Thanks for sharing your methodology, your strategies, your mindset, and just where you took us today. I know this offered a lot of value to the guys that are listening and for the guys that will have future downloads of this when they listen to it. Um, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm going to drop Sean's handles below. You're going to get, um, I'll link to your website, to your, to your social handles, and we'll make sure that people know how to connect with you. Awesome, Josh. Thanks so much for having me on, man. Wow, guys, what an incredible interview with Sean. There is so much in there. I hope you got something out of that because there's so many strategies, mindset, how you can level up in life, and how you can practically change your diet and change your everyday routine to change your mindset and change your life. Guys, until the next episode, let's raise the standard. Hey guys, I wrote a book that went on to become a bestseller. It's called The Standard, Discovering Jesus as the Standard for Masculinity. I would love for you to get this. It's available on Amazon right now. But if you visit standard59.com, you can get the first chapter of the book for free. I want to give you the chapter called Jesus Has a Plan. And you need a plan as well. There's specific areas in your life that you will be attacked in. How do I know? Because Jesus was attacked in these areas as well, and there's a pattern to it. And I wanna give you this chapter so you can see how Jesus effectively deploys a plan in his life and how he sets the standard for all men to follow and why we need a plan as well. If you want that chapter, go over to standard59.com and grab it. If you wanna get the book, you can get the book on amazon.com. Thanks for watching today's video. And if something resonated with you, please leave a comment below. Let us know what it was. Tell us what you would like us to explore for future episodes. Go ahead, like this video, subscribe to the channel and continue to raise the standard.